Welcome to Five Better Podcast, a show where we take a classic song each episode and try and find five better songs using a specific theme. Uh, we'll try and do this using our extensive musical knowledge. Um, we'll argue the toss when we think the song's better. Um, well, we just talk rubbish. Either of those kind of like approaches are valid. Um, this week we have got probably, I think, it is the definitive, if we're saying the word classic song. What is it, Jim? Yes, Stand By Me. Sorry, I was just looking at the uh, something on Wikipedia about Stand By Me, but uh, never mind. Uh, so so Stand again. By Me, yes. No, no, that's good, that's okay, good. Go We're all right, don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry. That was all part of the... It's all part of the, the kayfabe. What's <laughs> kayfabe? Right, it's a word I learned this week. I'll, go, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Let's okay, do the song okay, go, first. Go, go, I'll go, tell go. you about kayfabe in a minute. Right, okay, so Stand By Me, uh, originally performed by the mighty Ben E. King um, and written by Lieber Stoller, mm. uh, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, who uh, I'm under the impression they wrote 2525, which I tried to crowbar in the other week, and then you said no because you're a Philistine. Um, but I, yeah, yeah. So was, I don't know. Yeah, no, sorry, very quickly, Lieber and Stoller, I do know, I've heard of them because they used to write for a lot of artists in yeah. the 60s. They wrote for Gene Pitney, that's why I know that because I know he sung uh, in a medley, he sung different artists' songs, and that was a uh, Reference them to, I remember that, mm. but yeah, go on. big, big writers. So, yeah, um, yeah, inspired by Sam Cook at the time, it's kind of um, Benny King's kind of biggest hit, isn't it? Really, yeah. um, it's uh, it's got I love it, I love the kind of the bass that goes in it. It's that classic, it comes out of the um, kind of rockabilly, doesn't it? Mm. Um, a little bit that kind of rockabilly style of the big double bass doom, 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 and then like the kind of big haircuts that were around in the sort of 50s and it's, it got, kind it's, of it's, a, it's a definitive baseline isn't it also I quite yeah. like the going with the idea of the rockabilly maybe the sort of the washboard kind of effect yeah yeah right afterwards it's yeah it's really distinct isn't it yeah and it's like that that kind of really really drives the song through doesn't it it's quite it's quite kind of unforgettable which makes a song um, a classic I think I don't think we're wrong saying it's a it's a classic. So I mean, the question is, why have we chosen this song? Then I guess. Um, and well, here here it is, listeners. This is one I've been trying to get going for a long time, but it's been vetoed on on a number of occasions. So, Stand By Me, Benny King, is used in the film, Stand By Me. But the key thing with this is that the songs have to have, uh, the, they have to somewhere in them reference the name of the film. So this one's quite obvious because it's the title of the film and the title of the song. So yeah. uh, kind of nice and, nice and easy. Um, but, you know, I think we'll find probably most songs are going to be the title of the song. Uh, yeah, the film, and so. with that, we've kind of steered clear of James Bond songs um, yeah. because they're pretty obvious i mean there's 18 straight away there that that leap to mind yeah. um and uh so we kind of we've kind of tried to steer clear of those and, and any other kind of really obvious sort of film series i suppose isn't it yeah i mean um yeah there's instant classes isn't there but i mean i think 
Uh, first of all, I, I know you said you've been trying to get this on the go for a while. We, we haven't met for a while, so this, this podcast has been brewing, hasn't it? This episode, yeah, for, yeah, for a couple of months. Um, and it's not. It's, it, there's some songs which are great. You know, they've got some great soundtracks and some great songs going with it. Maybe the film isn't great, or maybe the film's great and the songs. Yeah, awesome, but actually, this song and this film for me are brilliant. It's got it all. I mean, it's got it all. I mean, the 1986 film. It's a classic, isn't it? I mean, it really is a proper... Uh, certainly for me and for you, this is our sort of... This is our era, isn't it? It's banging. Yeah, it. yeah. We were like nine, ten years old. Similar age to the boys in the film. It's sort of coming-of-age movie, isn't it? It's sort of coming... They sort of start as innocence, but end up kind of leaving sort of fairly sort of like, traumatised. Yeah. Only I mean, grown up, haven't they, in the film? And I think it's, it's I think, a brilliant film. Such a good I film. I think it's, it's... Like, the storyline is great. Like, it's so basic. It's a basic storyline of... The kids they hear about a dead uh, one of the kids in the neighbourhood has been killed, mm. and they he's been missing for ages, and someone's found the body, and they're going to go and see a dead body, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of the it's a Stephen King short story, isn't it? It was, yeah, from a few years before that. Um, but uh, good, I think what I think well. yeah, cast. I think the cast is great. What I think is great is that all of the characters have their own little um, nuances. I mean, they're really well rounded, really well mm. sought out characters. The the Will Wheaton character who has the, like his brother's just died and he can't speak to his dad or he can't get through yeah, to his yeah, dad yeah. with a Phoenix character who's comes from a bro- broken home and all the kids are bad kids and he's a bad kid ultimately, but he's quite yeah. clever and um, the little fat kid. And then Teddy, the um, Corey uh, Feldman oh, character, yeah. he's comes from a, like he's battered by his, dad like throughout his life yeah. so it's kind of um it's a really good it's a real character study as well as like a a, a real nice little neat film i think yeah it's quite it's quite innocent, well, innocent in a yeah, mm. looking back well, i suppose the whole thing is kind of retro- retrospective because it's um the character dreyfus again another another great actor um mm. but no it's, it's a brilliant film yeah and uh it's one of those films I've never seen for ages, and like, I think I watched it about four or five years ago, and I couldn't watch it for ages because I didn't want to. I didn't want to misremember it and see yeah. it being as it as maybe not as good. But actually, I watched it; and it was just as good. But it's a classic film, and I, I've got to say, a classic song. So we're going to find we'll try and find five better songs. I've got a few, six of them out of the choice of what I could possibly have. Which I don't know. There's definitely a couple I think would stand up to it. Otherwise, I'm sort of. Hedging my bets a bit, Jim. But you, yeah, I've got one really interesting one to put up against it. Um, okay, I've got a red herring. I'm not a red herring, but I've got one which is quite not obscure, but definitely one I think maybe it wouldn't be go down the, the classic route. Uh, this one, this <laughs> one isn't. This one isn't uh, obscure. Okay. Yeah, even the film's not that obscure, but it's like kind of quite. A, it's a soul clash. Booze talk, booze talk. What you drinking tonight? Tonight, Matthew, I shall mostly be drinking uh, some red wine. Very nice. I'd love Take to tell you what it is because it's a very nice red wine. It's a Shiraz and I bought from Sainsbury's boy the other week. And it's so delicious. And I, I opened it yesterday and put it in the decanter so I've thrown the bottle away so I can't tell you what it is. Yeah, uh, okay, um, well, give me the price range so I can probably get an idea of it. It's, it's 15 quid in Sainsbury's. Nice, okay, good. So we're, t- we're nice. talking top shelf here, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking top shelf top in magazines shelf, right top there. Shelf, man. <laughs> It was a treat for the. It was a treat for the end of the thing. Now that's not to say I, I might break out an ale a bit later. That's um, 
Our corner shop smell, smells, sells, does smell a little bit as well. <laughs> the corner shop sells um, East London Brewery beers. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, from up in Enfield, which is just up the road from, from where yeah. we are. So uh, I might crack open one of those lav. We're in a bit of a... I've had a few of those this afternoon. I've had some white wine when I was making the risotto. Now I'm on the red wine. So if I just fall asleep, then that's... Uh, I'll keep going, don't worry. I'll come, I'll yeah, just, keep, just cover me. Do an impression <laughs> of me and then... What are you drinking? And come on. I've got, I've got. This is this has been brewing. There's a little drop there for the name. Um, this this beer has been waiting for me for for the last probably six weeks since the amazing kind of like um, social media collaboration between Brewdog and Audi first started. So I've got the Brewdog, and it's called the Aud IPA. Little plan right. word of Audi, A L D I P A. Yeah. Um, it was great because basically, you know, Audi is, is king of kind of the copies, aren't they? So they, they tend mm. to sort of steal the look of a, a brand and, you know, you kind of naturally go towards it if you fancy a whatever spaghetti and you kind of go for that brand or crisps are very similar to Walkers or things things like that. Well, this brand, so they, so they brought out, uh, Audi brought out the Brewdog's Punk equivalent and called it Anti Establishment, which I thought was quite a good name. Uh, and then Punk, uh, Brewdog then thought they'd reference it on Twitter and just kind of like reference saying, yeah, nice, nice, thanks for copying us. Uh, we're going to do the same to you, sort of wink, wink, sort of jokey, jokey. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Audi said, yeah, okay, go on, then we'll stock it if you do. And then they said, all right, and this is what they did. <laughs> and then basically they got this little, <laughs> they, they created this little um, IPA called Brewdog Aud IPA, which is using the Audi colours, the sort of the blue and the yes. yellow, orange. But yeah, it's great. And then, do you know what? It's all right, it's 4.7. It's pretty good. And obviously, it's Brewdog, and um, it's a limited edition, so it'll be in the store for the next kind of couple of weeks. But um, it's worth a go. It's all right. It's only about a pound thirty or something for a can, so that's uh, not bad. Um, it's pretty good, yeah. So I've been, I've been kind of getting through those, and I sort of. Have you had the one of the ones that's popped up in Sainsbury's that I've been drinking quite a lot? Have you had the Brewdog Hazy Jane? I just bought a four pack early to yesterday. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I like it. They're really it's a nice, bit yeah. stronger. Than it. It's a little bit. Weaker than the punk, but a little bit stronger than yeah, the the dead, dead donkey. Pony. No, dead pony. Yeah. yeah, no, really nice. Now I'm getting back into those. So, um, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I've started hammering the beer again over half term. So, well, there you go. Well, you're going to go to the. Hey, I'm, I might have a red wine in a second. So, we'll, we'll, we'll compare. We'll see where we are after that. Mm. Mm. Cool. Okay, right, so Jim, well you're, you're all for me, yeah. Uh, and you have got a three. This actually is a brilliant one because this is one we had um, in our last episode, listeners. Uh, the same band popped up. And I, is it Sheena Easton? It's not Sheena Easton because it's a band, yeah. uh, sadly. Um, and it's a great... And it's one of the songs, actually, I've, I've completely forgot about until I actually sort of was researching it. I thought, oh, it's a great song. Um, and I've only seen a bit of the film, so I can't... I can't I have to, I've got to say, I've not seen the whole film. Um, but it was on recently on Channel 4. Uh, and this is The Proclaimers, Sunshine and Leap. While the chief with sunshine on Leap I'll thank him for... It's a ballad, this song. It's not, you know, it's not their stampy, stampy song that we talked about last um, episode. Mm. 500 Miles, but it's a... Uh, I think it's quite a beautiful song. I mean, and I love the lyrics. And it's very simplistic. I mean, it's very simplistic. It's chords, it's sort of structure, the, the echoing from the brother to the brother. Um, 
and he's talking about his, you know how heartbroken he is and um and about the sun is, and obviously leith is a, it's a port in edinburgh uh, and i think the idea mm. that it never it's never sunshiny in sort of um in leith it's all kind of misty because it's a proper sort of like a seaport there i think it's a it's just a beautiful beautiful ballad Produces like a violin towards the end, which is sort of a nice sort of like Calic feel to it. Feels very folky. Um, I could imagine it sort of being sung by the port, a bit like sort of the fisherman's friends, um, you know, with sort of like <laughs> sailors' jackets on. They're all big sitting jumpers, there. jumpers, tankards, sunny day, and these two boys turn up, respectable tweeds. Get a whiskey, or get on a go. Um, and it's just, yeah, I can imagine this. I've never seen the Proclaimers live, and I'd, I'd quite like to before they um, before they can't quit. Um, I think I'd love to see this song being performed live. It's, it's such a it's a really beautiful, beautiful song, um, and yeah, I love the sentiment. It's actually one of those songs that I get kind of like um, uh, sort of goosebumps when I sort of when I, when I hear it. Yeah, and I never really you know, get a massive amount of songs that do that to me. About a year ago, I wouldn't have known what this song was. I mean, I knew of it, but I would always thought it was like a bit of a sea shanty sort of thing, or a bit like 500 Miles, or a bit that sort of marchy proclaimers, because mm. don't know much about the proclaimers. But I heard it on the radio. Uh, God knows how long ago now, because time doesn't figure anymore. Yeah. But it was like kind of probably in lockdown, maybe after lockdown. I heard it on the radio in the car. Well, oh, that's a lovely song. That is, it's really it's a beautiful song. And I think he made um, the brother Craig Reed, who I think you summarised. He said it's one of his best songs he's written. I wouldn't disagree with him. I think it it shows them off as great singers, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, nice, lovely harmonies. Because that that's kind of you know the the big thing they're known for is uh, "Letter from America" or "Five Hundred yeah. Miles." Those yeah. are their big songs. But really, they're a close harmony duet, aren't they? And sort of that's their kind of strength and their their quality. Mm. And, and their vocals, obviously, because they're brothers and they're twins, aren't they? They're kind of they're mm. literally very much in tune with each other in terms of the tone and the sort of the, the timbre of the sort of the vocal quality. And obviously, the film is a tw uh, 20, 2013 uh, Dexter Fletcher film. And it, but isn't it another vehicle for Gleason? Uh, um, you know, Gleason. No, no, his, his son, son. Yeah, Domhnall Gleason. That's the one. Yeah, it's another vehicle for him and a another woman. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like some of the. I really like some of Donald Gleeson's films, but I think sometimes he does drop into a bit vehicle for Donald Gleeson. Like that X Machina was a marvelous movie. Yeah. Um, if, uh, but then he does do those kind of rom coms. I think, yeah, I first saw him on um, was it Black Mirror? He played the, he was that the boyfriend and he, he got killed. Do you remember that? Black yeah, Black. I think so, yeah. He turned him into a, like a sort of a robot or reproduction of him. As, and, you know, it was, um, yeah, quite a bizarre sort of story. And that's the first time I got introduced to him. But yeah, I think he is a bit more um, leading man. He was in Star Wars, isn't he, as well? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's awful in that as well, I thought. Yeah. It's a, bit too, a bit too handy. Good half a film. I saw. I'm so sorry, I didn't quite finish it. I think I just saw I'll Sunshine. I've got to be honest, it, it doesn't appeal to me, Sunshine and Leaf. Uh, as a film, I don't. I like yeah. the song, but as a film. I've got to be honest uh, with you, we're up against the classic. It's Benny King. I know, and you know? that's that's where it's, that's it's where a it's a one. no from me. It's Benny King. It's Benny King is stand by me against the proclaimed Sunshine and Leaf. I mean, that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. 
Well, listen, it's the resting, it's the RIP moment. We've got we've had a few legends leave us. Let's talk about Sean, obviously, because we're doing a film, uh, film slash song podcast this this episode. Uh, he was ninety and he died. I know it was his birthday only a few weeks ago, wasn't yeah. it? I remember yeah. seeing a thing. That was uh, that's one of those ones I was genuinely quite sad about. Mm. Uh, even though having never met the man, he's one of those people you just feel you know because of well, the so impressions, funny, the films. He's yeah. like, I I always loved the description um, when he went when he did the audition for James Bond, and they watched him walk out afterwards. And Ian Fleming went, he walks like a panther. Get him. Yeah, I, I just think that's a lovely kind of. Down the street, didn't they? He was just yeah. like, pretty much just like yeah. That's that. He's the man, but uh, you know. I, know. I wish people would say I walk like a panther, but instead of like someone bobbing around like a <laughs> bold thing on the sea, honestly. That's Jim. He's walked like a shack himself. Yeah, <laughs> my my gait seems to be I walk like a puma pants. So, um, but yeah, but, you know, good. Yeah, great, great legend, obviously. So Sean, but um, the music world. We've lost. Um, I mean, a couple of months since we last recorded, Jim, but. Let's start with uh, Peter Green from Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. and a member. Um, it wasn't such a big shock in terms of, because I think I haven't heard much of him for, for ages. You know, he wasn't really in Fleetwood Mac for that huge amount of time, was he? So, no. Not for when they got huge and massive, but um, a sort of iconic sort of guitar player, I think, and sort of went a bit down the, sort of the drug route, which is sort of sad, but, um, you know, never nice when someone dies. No, uh, Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, another great guitar player. Yeah, that was that was quite a shock. He was quite young, relatively. Yeah, he was quite young, wasn't he? I mean, he can't he can't have been more than he must have been what sixties, if that. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, no shocker. I mean, again, not a massive Van Halen fan. I wasn't. I'm not really into that kind of eighties. I found it quite awful. This sort of the eighties music of yeah, eighties rock slash metal. But I can see he's clearly clearly you know wicked guitar player and really really well respected. Yeah. Um, but you know, not not my kind of thing. But and, and we also lost Denise Johnson, the sort of singer who was the, the sole vocalist in Primal Screen and Manchester's, um, you know, various other kind of like backing groups she was singing for on Mondays, I think, at some point. And just, um, yeah, she was a yeah, great voice and iconic and Scooby Delica album, yeah. And then also in the entertainment world, RIP Bobby Ball, Bobby Ball, yeah. That was a shocker. Again, didn't realise he was uh, was ill. I mean, it was quite quick, I think, wasn't it? Again, yeah. Went the way like Eddie Large with COVID. So does that mean that Tommy Cannon and Sid Little are going to join forces? Little Cannon. And do Little Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think, actually. It's a strange thing, but both both the straight men are still alive. And I thought, is there something to do with the uh, sort of the energy and the kind of manicness of the, the two guys who died? Which was there, the sort of the... Sort of the slapstick of the two. Well, I mean, they were the straight men, but were the others really the funny men? Well, then I was trying to think of a joke that I could make about, well, at least so and so are fine because obviously they're two straight men, but I couldn't think of a joke for obviously. Yeah. So, and also, I can't make fun of people. No, I know. Yes, it's just that, I can't say. I just, I, in my, my abiding memory of Cannon and Bull is when I was a kid, I was upstairs playing in my room and my brother and sister shouted to me. Come downstairs, come downstairs. It's like, why? And people were going, right, my mum and dad, and everyone was going, cannonball around, cannonball around. So I came down downstairs expecting to see a man fired out of a cannon um, on a Saturday night. But no, 
There is a rock on Tommy. There's all rock on Tommy. I mean, that, that's basically their act was started with, let's have a funny name. Yes. Cannon and Ball, that do. <laughs> and confused children into thinking. So, but, I mean, that's the only reason I ever watched them was because I thought a man was going to be fired out of a cannon. <laughs> okay, Jim, so it's 1-0 to Benny King. Uh, I'm going to roll for you. Get ready. I've actually got the dice. Number two, Jim. Good. This is the one I was hoping was cut. This is... Levi's jeans ads fighting it out. This is great. So, so these are the these are like if Benny King is in the one of the first three songs on a soul compilation album, this is one of the other first three songs. It's the mighty When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves Women, from the film with the same name. This one first came into my eyesight, my viewing. And it was one of the Levi's ads, wasn't it? it was Benny mm. King was one of the first those kind of Levi jeans, big song ads, and he got to number one with it, Percy Sledge. Yeah. Uh, this was the next one. Um, and I think the guy, I think it was for black jeans. It was the guy who was going into a club and it said no blue jeans on the oh, door. Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned this in the last episode. I think, yeah. yeah. And he walks through the door and uh, he's got black jeans on and they can't throw him out because they're not blue jeans, etc., etc. Percy Sledge, I think, his voice blows the speakers out of the water. Um, it's, he's, a different, uh, it's, he's a different beast in terms of singer, isn't he? To, oh, yeah, definitely. King. Yeah, he really, he really is, um, yeah, he's really kind of going for it, isn't he? Yeah, and I think, and this, this, this must be a good song because it goes against my baby's per song. Um, mm. Okay, so how many uh, uh, lyrics? Well, there's a lot of babies because at the end he says, uh, "Doesn't he sing uh, when a man loves a woman and knows just how he feels?" Because baby, baby, that's the way I feel about you. Just <laughs> so explain to everyone who's not uh, caught up that Jim had a thing about how many. Uh, doesn't like the word "baby" being used in a song. Oh. There's a mathematical equation for the number of babies in a song and how bad it is. So, for example, Justin Bieber's "Baby, Baby, Baby O." Oh, has far too many babies in it. I think it's the Americanness of the word baby yeah. uh, in that kind of uh, in, in that kind of lyric. In that, like, I just don't like it. I've never called anyone baby. I've never called anyone babe. It's quite um, of its time, isn't it? I think. Um, it's yeah. Quite, um, it's quite condescending in some ways, isn't it? Um, although saying, yeah. I use it sometimes with people, but so yeah, babies per song ratio. I suppose if we're looking at it as a song. Going up against Stand by Me, it's content-wise, it's quite, it's obviously it's a, it's a love song. It's yeah. Looking at some of the lyrics here, deep down in his soul, she can bring him such misery if she's playing him for a fool. He's yeah, turns you back on his best friends. Yeah, even when they, even when. So there's she's... there's that old sort of storyline of, of you know, um, of, of acquired unrequited love. Um, it's it's not it's not so much unrequited. It's kind of saying that love is stronger than anything. If you love someone you can't see the bad that they do. Does that... Uh, does even that, if they're doing it to you. Does, um... Because obviously Stand By Me is almost kind of a fairly... It's quite spiritual in some ways, isn't it? Mm. Stand By Me. It feels like it's... Like a, again, I'll use the word... Stand By Me is... It's okay. all going wrong. Stand By Me. Don't worry, yeah. I'll look after you. But it's quite... It's sort of rooted in kind of like a... a re, I don't know, sort of a... A moral, healthy sort of... No, but way, also way Stand By living. Me... 
Stand By Me doesn't necessarily have to be a man or a woman singing to no. their partner. It could be someone singing to their friend or it yeah. could be, you know, it's got that sort of thing to it. Whereas this is proper soul. This is proper filthy, dirty, sexy soul. Mm. This is nothing else matters than the rumpy pumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Percy Sledge. I mean, I've got to be honest with with the name Percy and the name. Right, Sledge. it's a little bit Christmassy, but leave him alone. <laughs> I don't think I've known any other Percy apart from Percy Thrower, Ingle, um, and Percy Ingle. Okay, um, I mean, it's not it's not a great name. I mean, ben is a standard name. It's a good solid name, as you well know. Your son's called Ben. Um, exactly, and Ben E as well. He's just snuck in initial as well, just to really go for it. Yeah, so no, I think that's um, uh, Johnny B. Good style thing, isn't it? Do you think? I think Johnny B. Good. Uh, uh, it could be the old Ben E. King instead of Benny. Yeah, it could, or it could be because of the sort of like me you know, spotlight actors. They can't call their name their actual name because someone's it's already been taken. So maybe there's somebody all, maybe there's somebody all, already called Ben King. Yeah, in the initial E, which could be his name. I don't know. Um, so back to the song. Oh, I wasn't expecting that, Jim. That's quite. That's a really good song. I forgot about that. It's song. a brilliant song. I love this song. It's I, got for I, me though. It's got for me the same. It's the same um, sort of background, sort of heritage classic. Feel it's got that it. trumpet in it though. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like that's what I'm saying. You you, you put a soul compilation ad mm. and ad. You put a soul compilation album together i reckon in the first i would say in the f- definitely the first 10 possibly the first five maybe even the oh, yeah. first three these two are on there it is and i think i love the trumpet in it as well there and they're just like everything that like that old school do you know what i love about this song it's one of the best songs to listen to on a record player with a crackle Mm, okay, and, yeah, it's and, the vinyl and even when you listen to it on a CD, if they still keep the crackle on there, it's just fucking marvellous. Oh, and it's got it's got a really good it's really good musically as well. I seem to remember. Um, no, it's a, it's a brilliant yeah. song. Here we go. Look, in another interview, Percy said, "said when I wrote the song first, it was called Why Did You Leave Me, Baby? See, good change of name. And I changed it to When a Man Loves a Woman. I just reversed it." Quinn told me that if I write some lyrics around some melody and expression, why'd you leave me, baby? He believed it would be a hit record. This is, uh, I mean, it, for me, it's the it, Benny King's the happy side of things, isn't it? Yeah. Even in that in that video for it, when it was when it reached number one in '86, yeah. with uh, the re-release from the Jeans ad and from the movie, and then Will Wheaton and River Phoenix get up at the end yeah, and start yeah, yeah. pretending to play guitar, and it's all very smiley and happy. Percy Sledge is just Percy is battering it into the ground with a baseball bat. He's not even messing about. I think, um, oh, okay, okay. The, the issue I have with the song is so well known. It's such a classic. I've heard it to, and again, again, Ben, and again, Penny King, Stand By Me, I've heard it to death. Um, so now I'm going to go on a preference. I think the preference is, I've got to go Stand By Me. Sorry, I, I just think I prefer Stand By Me as a... As I a, think that's a big mistake, I've got to say. I've just... I've just <laughs> Are you going, I I've got to take your... I'm going, I'm going with my hunch that's, that's the final answer. I'm going to go Stand By Me but, as, a, um, as the better. So it's a really tough one, actually. It's a really... It's a tough one. It's like trying to pit, I don't know, the Beatles and the Stones, isn't it? Yeah, two good songs, two really iconic songs, two def- like career-defining songs, obviously, and... 
um, and damn different in both in so many ways. So two nil, stand by two me. Two nil, Benny King. I know you've uh, you're not you're not happy with that, are you? I'm hurting. I'm hurting. You're hurting. It's a, diff- what, it's a difficult feel, one. That I think I've always preferred Plessy Sledge. That's why. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, maybe I, yeah, anyway. But anyway, just move okay. on. Anyway, next we'll one. I'll take it. I'll take it on the chin. Right, okay, I'm rolling for you. Go. You've got a five. Oh, a five. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. This is this is verging into the ridiculous. Um and a dearly departed film director, Alan Parker. But very mm. eclectic career. But for me, he would always be known as the uh, director of this amazing film and the song title of the film is Bugsy Malone Charm you with a smile and a style all his own Everybody loves that man Bugsy Malone um, Paul Williams is the singer and the songwriter of most of the songs on the soundtrack for, for Bugsy Malone yeah, they um, mimed over him all, didn't they? They did, yeah. He had, and he's got a quite strange voice. I think he's got a strange voice, partly because I'm just so always imagining looking and thinking of Scott Bayo doing Bugsy Malone, mm. uh, the character, and, and obviously the, the voices and the actors, because they're kids, doesn't match, because obviously it's an adult singing it. Um, and I love it as an opening song. It's, it's really good. Okay, he's a sinner candy-coated for all his friends. He always seems to be alone. So you've got a sense of, you know, someone's a bit dangerous, Candy code, but he's always alone, a bit, a bit of a loner. Um, but they love him, so he's a bit of a charmer as well. And if you, we know Bugsy Malone's a charmer. We see in the very first sort of like few scenes, he's kind of he's, mm. he's impressing Blousy Brown. He's locking someone in a in a in a phone booth. He's not paying for stuff. He's you know he's candy code. He's a sinner. Um, he can charm you, but he certainly charms he's you. A criminal. It's a criminal. It's a criminal. He's hot headed as well. So I like this. So the song itself, okay, it's not it's not a massively long song, and it's um, for me. In this, the film Bugs Man, there's probably a lot more, probably better songs. Um, you know, we could have been anything that you wanted to be. It's a classic. Um, you give mm. a little love. The end song is is brilliant. It's, it stands up. I think it's a great song. song. It's a great song. Any other film, I think the, the boxer would, song as well is really good. You, so you want to be a boxer. Well. So all of those songs are brilliant. So I think as a, as an as a song within the film, it's <coughs> down and out as well. Down and out, of course. You've got all these songs. But this song, I think it's great because it's a nice sort of turn of tempo halfway through when he says about hot-headed Bugsy, he makes his mind up. Don't mess with Bugsy, yeah. we'll wind up. I love that kind of like thing. He's a, mount, he's a man of mountain, he's a rolling stone. It's great. And it's a, so it's a really nice sort of introducing of a character to a film. So I think that's why it works well at being sort of where yeah. it is. What I didn't know is I didn't really know much about him. So Paul Williams, who is uh, still, still with us, um, he wrote uh, loads of sort of collaborative songs in the sort of 60s, 70s. So he wrote We've Only Just Begun, The Carpenters. Didn't know that. Rainy Days and Mondays, The Carpenters. Didn't know that. Um, he wrote uh, for the Oscar-nominated song Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie. Didn't know that. Mm. So he's been around. And this is the best. Two more things. He wrote for Hunky Dory's uh, on the Debbie Bowie album. He wrote a song for him, Feel Your Heart. And when you listen to it, you can sort of see now the sort of the the sort of similarities with that and Bugsy Malone. But then this is the, this is the most weirdest car. Like I mean, is it, talk about an eclectic career. In 2012, he wrote uh, with Daft Punk and Pharrell on the Random Access Memories album. Yeah, right. Okay. So, and it, yeah, so I think he wrote and sang the vocals on Touch, the song Touch, uh, and co-wrote Beyond. So. 
you know, working with Noel Rogers, working with Alan Parker, I mean, working with David Bowie, that's a pretty, every, a pretty time illustrious you say, every time you say Alan Parker, I think you're going to say Alan Parker. So you're finding that a bit difficult. Ugly <laughs> model, ha ha <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so, the, the, so yeah, so, and obviously, you know, whereas in Sunshine, Sunshine and Leith, I saw it one afternoon, half of it, about a month ago. I, I've seen Bugs and Malone probably about, I don't know, at least 20 times, uh, probably more over the years. You've put it on as a play, haven't you, as well? I've done it as a play. Yeah, I've I've seen it done in the West End a few times. Um, And it's it's a a great film. I think it's one of the films that really stands up on on its own for, you know, because what it is, is essentially kids playing kind of gangsters. But it kind of, it's not really a, it's not a Mickey take so much as it's. No, what I think works well with it is it's actually a good story. It's like a good gangster story. It's two gangs mm. that shoot each other, and all they do is they take away the bullets and get one to pie each other in the face. Yeah, and that I yeah. mean that scene at the end must have been an absolute killer laugh to. Oh to my film. god! Well, you forget it's all shot in Pinewood Studios in London. So all yeah, actors came over, and obviously, obviously the documentaries about it. I've seen quite a few about that. But how much? How much? Say how much fun they all had doing it, and. Because it's Scott Bale and Jodie Foster, she's just a mm. taxi driver. So she was like a huge star coming over to the UK to perform in this kind of like, you know, kid film, as it were. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, for me, the song and the film, I say the film is probably bigger than the song, but I think it's, it just works mm. so well. I think it's just what the song needs. It's that lovely little opening. It's got it in the style of kind of New York, kind of uh, sort of piano, jazzy, sort of speakeasy. Um, I think that's everything kind of, you know, what, what Bugsy Malone is. But yeah, Paul Williams, Bugsy Malone. What do you reckon, Jim? No, no <laughs> take it in mind, you just, uh, you're slightly hurt from the Percy Sledge debacle. I don't want no, Sledgegate to get in the way. <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with Sledgegate, I'm afraid. Um, this is a good song, but it's not the best song in the film. Uh, it's a good opener. But it's not "Stand by Me" by Benny King. Yeah. Um, I did say it was slightly sublime, but a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an interesting one, actually. Yeah, it's not one I'd, I'd thought of, but I just don't. It's it's not the song that jumps it. Like I think there's other songs could have put up a good fight against yeah. "Stand by Me," but they don't mention the the, the film, do they? So no. Um, and that, and that's the problem. And I think it is a nice introduction to the film, but it's not one of the standout. I can't think of the, I can't think of the melody now. I can't like I can kind no, of no, half can think it. of it. Yeah. And I'm kind of piecing it together in my head, but it's not like. Dun, 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 dun. And and that's the thing, really. Um, yeah, if it had been close, the sour grapes would have got involved, but. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's just not. It's like Benny King's soul roots. This is ragtime. No, that's uh, fair enough. Okay, Paul Williams and yeah, so it's a nice three nil to Ben. I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough. Speaking of uh, very quickly before we start song four, because I only found out the other day, you know, misheard lyric, the greatest dancer. Right, what do you mm. think the lyric is for that? Because I was always under the impression it was, I, I wonder why. Uh, I thought it was do what do I thought it was one of these. Oh, uh, okay. Do what do Let's just make it. Do what do That sort of thing. No. Do you know what it is? It's called Oh What Wow. Oh What Wow. He's the greatest dancer. Oh, right. Oh What Wow. That makes sense. He's the greatest dancer. Oh What Wow. 
Yeah, but uh, what a strange... He's the greatest dancer. No, but it's not. It's looking at them, watching him dance again. What? Wow. He's the greatest That's great. Dancer. So that's written down as, as, a, as a lyric or as a, sorry, as, a, as, a, as a line in a sort of film or play. Oh, what? Wow. But putting it as a song, as a, as a sort of lyric you sing, there's too many... It's t- the alliteration's awful. Oh, but that's, oh, that's kind of what they did in disco, wasn't it? There was a lot of that in disco. Um that kind of, that exclamation. The kind um, of baby burn. I suppose that's one, yeah, Disco Inferno, maybe. Um, oh, wow, wow. Oh, wow. You're the greatest dancer oh, that wow. I've ever seen. Oh, wow, oh, wow. yes. It's, it's through me, because I, I just didn't realise that was one of the lyrics I thought, you know, I've never even questioned that. I, was always, I always thought, I wonder why. Then I thought, why are they saying I wonder why? that makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. That makes no sense. I wonder why he's the greatest dancer. Well, just watch. Are they saying he's bad? It's like this. That's what made me think then maybe that, 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 yeah, clearly it doesn't make sense because I wonder why they're doubting it. Yeah. The song is called He's the Greatest Dancer. I wonder why. It's almost like I can't believe he's the greatest dancer. But obviously they're saying, yeah. Well, they're not saying that at all. They're saying, oh, what? Wow. They did write a song about a postman called Frankie, so who knows what sister they, they were on a lot of drugs at the time, I think. Anyway, right, sorry, I just thought I'd share it with you. Right, song four, Jim. So it's three nil to Benny King. We've got to try and claw some respect back. Come on, for God's sake. Yeah, okay. I, I might be struggling here, to be honest. Oh, God, okay, right. I was going to uh, roll the dice. I'm going to give you a... Number one. Number one. Well, here it is, number one. Always going to be my number one uh, films with songs with the same name. I would imagine that you've probably got this and we're probably lucky that it hasn't hit already. But it is uh, Kenny Loggins and Footloose from the film. Footloose. So, 1984, a film comes out called Footloose. They need a song. They need someone at the top of his game. They get Kenny Loggins in. He writes a song called Footloose. The end. Okay, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, sold. Now, this is, this is that classic. I, what I love about this is the story in the film is a bunch of kids in a town where John Lithgow is the preacher brilliant they 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 don't want kids dancing because some kids have been to a dance and they crashed a car on the way home and his daughter died their dancing is the devil's work and it's banned and it takes a young man with a blonde mullet called kevin bacon to turn up and turn everyone's change everyone's mind and he does this through the power of dance i mean like only in the 80s can you, can you get away with that? And it is like, it's just, I don't know, there's, there's a hilarity to the movie and a genius to the movie. And then this song is like, it's that classic 80s teen movie, rock, pop, crossover. Um, Noggin's absolutely going for it mm. through all the songs. I mean, lyrics like this kick, kicks off with, been working so hard, I'm punching my God, it's like, there's, there's nothing out, there's nothing kind of special about the way it is. It's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like classic 
uh, rhythm all the way through. Mm. And then he just, uh, like, it's, it's all about, he's worked hard, now he's going to dance. And then it's just, I mean, it, it's a song that if we were going back to the origins of the podcast, this is definitely a memory song with uh, like me and you dancing the Footloose Move. Oh, listen. Um, yeah, you, the, don't, you don't have to say this Get a Footloose. <laughs> It's, 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 it's not only that, it's got country elements to his voice as well, Kenny Loggins, doesn't it? It's, good. it's just got everything, this song. I'm a big fan of the song. I'm a big fan of Kenny Loggins. I'm a big fan of him because of the song. I, I actually really love this song. I've got to be honest with you, you you've, you've hit, you, I think you might have hit a high run on this song, actually. It's, it's got... It's got really kind of like, like you say, the, I'm punching my cards. You've got a sense of kind of a working man, you know. Yeah, you know, it's that blue collar. Yeah, he's there, but also he's kind of going against it. He's using his, his dancing to kind of like set himself and express himself. Eight hours for what? Oh, tell me what I got. Yeah. I got this feeling. It's like there's this whole kind of anger about him to go work and then it's a euphoria of dancing. I mean, if you've got Please Louise and Jack get back, I mean, lose your yeah. He's got some lovely kind It kind of harks back to that rhythm and blues sort of stuff mm. from 50s and 60s, doesn't it? Uh, He's also got my favourite rule, uh, rule giving the lyric away, the favourite lyric, you were playing so cool, obeying. <laughs> I mean, he sings it so well. Um, yeah. Footloose as well is like, there's always been that kind of footloose to fancy free, hasn't there, as a, as a phrase. Yes. And then for this American teen movie, to take a phrase that my mum would have said, you know, someone's footloose and fancy free, and then to be like it's all like to have this song footloose, and then it to be sung like it's he, he sings it like it's really tough to be foot, yeah, footloose. Well, yeah, exactly. Then you sort of see the video, and you sort of see the dance. We see Kevin Bacon's dancing, and he's like, it's very much sort of the opposite of kind of tough. It feels, it feels obviously because dancing by its nature just tends to be not that masculine, certainly the way they were doing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but then in the earlier in the film, when he gets really angry and he drives to the, um, the where the abandoned warehouse parks up his mm. beat and puts his stereo on and then starts dancing and starts playing, swinging off things and doing like jumps through and stuff like that because he's angry and dancing powerful and strong. He's dancing quite then, a music, in a musical, musical theatre way though, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, like, um, uh, like what's the uh, modern dance it would have been mm. called, wouldn't it? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. That's what we used to call it when I did it, modern dance. Um, <laughs> Contemporary. Like Contemporary, that. that's yeah. it, yeah. But then that bit at the end where they're just all having fun at the dance and they're allowed to dance and then Chris Payne was in it as well. It's got echoes a bit of John Travolta in kind of Greece, that kind of like, you know, he's... And Saturday Night Fever. A confident man, he's sort of he's happy to dance and expresses sort of emotion through dancing. Um, the, sorry, the song, when it kind of got that kind of almost like that lift-off sound. Mm. And then that's when the, the gutter, gutter, yeah. gutter, footloose comes in. It's got some great kind of like lovely musical elements like that. Because essentially it's kind of a, uh, yeah, almost like a, just a rhythm blues song. Yeah. You know, it's very, very little going into the chords, but it's, um, and, and obviously, you know, if you've got someone echoing cut a foot to loose all the time, yeah. to you, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. A really, it's a well-structured song. And I have to say for me, we're going to put it up against Stand By Me because it's not an obvious one that, no. we, that I think would 
in terms of a classic, but for me, it's not going to be. It's not going to be one of the first three songs on a soul album, is it? It's not the first three songs on a soul album, but it's on one of the first probably side A of a of a triple greatest movie tunes, 1980s hits, and also movie tunes. Definitely, it would be. Um, it's, there's that bit in Will and Grace. There's a it does a cameo in Will and Grace, doesn't he? When uh, Will meets him or something, and he's in his house, and he's again, don't, don't talk, don't mention Footloose, don't mention Footloose, don't mention Footloose, <laughs> and then they start talking about, it, and then the, the after then at the after credits at the end, they're both doing the dance in the in his lounge or something. <laughs> Kevin Bacon's lounge. It's just really, it's, it's iconic. I it is iconic. iconic. I, I love it for that. And also, I think, obviously, for Kevin Bacon, he's... Uh, I think he used to say he used to pay the... Uh, if you went to a wedding, you'd always pay the DJ $100 not to play it because <laughs> every time I go somewhere, everyone's going to put it on or try and sneak it on. Um, and obviously, I love it because I had it as a record when I was young. So I think it's kind of... It's got memories of... Uh, like you say, it's a memory song, isn't it? Um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I think it might be one of the first out there with Mike Go West. We talked about a couple of episodes ago. Um, <laughs> Go West episode. and Footloose. It is, it is. And for me, uh, I could say, I'd say, I think it's better than Stand By Me. Yes, in your face, Benny King. Get Footloose to that, you <laughs> jean-wearing <laughs> mother. <laughs> I didn't expect that to go through. I was kind of, uh, and I didn't put it up there. Partly because I thought it was a bit too obvious, and I thought also it's a bit too maybe not as good. But actually, I think I've, I think you can. If that had been, if that had been one of the first two songs pre-alcohol, it might not have won. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there comes a point when you just got to get foot loose. For me, it's better in terms of it's. It makes me feel better. I think where when a man loves a woman doesn't make it is because I think I just maybe heard that too much whereas I can't I can't I, can't, I don't think I can hear this enough I don't know you're talking about about cobblers now I think you're regretting your man loves a woman choice so I'm still trying to justify it 10 minutes after we said no Honestly, if, we, if we had VAR that would have been a <laughs> I think my elbow was just offside I think something was off <laughs> okay so what's that 3-1 to Benny yeah we're, we're clawing back some dignity Jim let's see let's, we've got one more to go yeah, I know, it's your go next, though. So Me, isn't it? Oh, okay, oh, here we go. Right. Hmm. Oh. Right, I'm going to roll the dice. Okie dokie. Um, that is a two. Two? Oh, I had two. We had two already. Oh, but... Um, Did you wait till you had three and... No, that was your two. It's fine, because I rolled you a two. Yeah. It's fine. Okay, so I've got my number two. Ah, this is a good one. But this is a classic song. This is a great song. And this is from um, the song, obviously, the same name of the film. Uh, and it's called um, Man on the Moon. I mean, it's from the, obviously, the 1999 film featuring Jim Carrey, but um, it's the RVM song, which is obviously what we're referring to. It's uh, from the 1992 album, um, Automatic for the People. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant album, first of all. One of my, one of my all-time favourite albums. One of my all-time favourite bands as well. Um, and this is actually one of my favourite songs from that album, I think. I quite like it because originally, they, I mean, I've seen them play a few times and this is one, the one they always kind of bring out, probably midway through the set. Mm. And it's just ev- everyone knows it. It was one of their sort of big hits they had in 1992. I think it was number 30 US, eight, number 18 in the UK. So they were, um, you know, it wasn't one of their, it wasn't like... Um, 
Losing My Religion. It wasn't like that kind of song, but it was, uh, yeah. it was certainly one of their sort of main big hitters. But it's, it's a great song. I love their lyrics. I like Michael Snipes' lyrics because I like the way he kind of he references culture from like 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm. And this, um, in fact, the song I heard today was the, um, It's the End of the World as We Know It. And he references like Donald Trump and a few other things. And it's just a, it's a real kind of like big poem that essentially reads out. But I think for him, this, for this song, um, obviously there's reference to Andy Kaufman, which is what the, uh, the film is no, Sorry, just referencing. going back to that, the end of the world as we know it, that's mm. his version of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, really, isn't it? There's um, kind of a lot of parallels within that, in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm... It's again, in that kind of, the, they, they list off all of these different things. Yeah. And I think whenever I heard it, I was that's always not quite a negative. No, no, it's not at all. And I was always, always been quite impressed at it. Sort of, it's very wordy the whole song. And mm. Any gig you go to, all the sort of hardcore REMers would always know every single kind of word, you know, off pat and the little kind of breaks in the song they sing. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like it. The idea of the idea of if you, if you believe as a man on the moon, uh, sort of like this sort of the, the it sort of it sounds quite American. No, it sounds, if you believe they put a man on the they moon, they put a man on the moon. It's not that there's a man in the moon, or it's it's like it's a it's a comment on the space landings, isn't it? And it's a comment on like Andy Kaufman's bizarreness and the kind of I don't think they disbelieve the state space landings happen, but I think it's like kind of that they're likening the two in the way that Andy Kaufman worked and the way that that worked. Okay, here's a question: Did Andy Kaufman need to have a film written about him? Is he that kind of important in terms of? <clears throat> popular culture in America because I never quite got him personally I thought the film was good but I never quite got his kind of like oddness and quirkiness I kind of liked him but I think we as British don't didn't see a lot of him yeah like he was very American he was at a time when things didn't really come across especially in terms of comedy and things like that he, he his only real TV show was the um he did bits of Saturday Night Live, didn't he? Mm, but he was yeah. only really... Saturday Night Live didn't come over here. Uh, and Taxi came over. And we only really saw him on that doing his thank you very much. Mm. Um, I do think, though, in terms of what he did in America, in terms of comedy, I think he changed so much. I think he was really groundbreaking in what he, um, what he kind of did in that kind of absurd nature. And I think the wrestling stuff is really interesting. This is really weird because this links back to, you remember I said kayfabe at the beginning of the show? Yes, yeah, you did, yeah. Right? This, this was in, in no way preordained anyone mm. who's actually listening. This is complete weird spookiness, right? But kayfabe comes from wrestling. Mm. Kayfabe is the, the knowing, the wrestler's knowing. So it's the, the in the in joke, not or not the in right. joke, the in understanding that no one's really getting hurt. It comes from old Carney speak, and it's like pig Latin apparently for like right. knowing what's going on. I love this movie. I think it's one. I think it's an amazing movie. I think Jim Carrey should have won the Oscar for it. I think he's, but he's, but I think for me that's when um, was it nineteen ninety nine, wasn't it? So that was post. Uh, that was. He'd done all his Ace Ventura and the mask and things. No, no, no. Um, Truman Show, wasn't it? It's post Truman yeah. Show, isn't it? But is it? It's pre Eternal Sunshine, isn't it? 
Once yeah. Was mine. So I mean, like, that's I mean, that's it, it, real, some real good films he made there. Yeah, he did, um, and, and it's quite underrated, like, isn't he? I think for that. Yeah, and this was like this was it was the perfect role for him. It was perfectly acted. He played it brilliantly. But I do think going back to Andy Kaufman is he's very. I think we don't know him as well because we probably didn't no. see enough of him. We mentioned the Blues Brothers, didn't we, recently, the last episode, yeah. uh, John Belushi kind of figure. He's kind of got a yeah. similar kind of sort of feel, well, sort of similar look, first of all, but also kind of feels like a bit um talent, maybe not quite as fulfilled as it could have been. Yeah, and he did kind of, he he pushed the boundaries, didn't he? He pushed the, for another American phrase, pushed the outside of the envelope. He pushed mm. kind of what was going on and did think tried to do things differently and he he was all about the kayfabe he was all about having a joke his joke was on the audience and on everybody else so kind of, it was kind of a little bit anarchic he's surreal kind of would he have sort of fitted into kind of the young ones type of idea of yeah kind of comedy so. in the British i movies. would imagine that rick mayer and aid edmondson took a lot from him yeah i would imagine that they they had seen him and took a lot from him um, and, and, and Alexi Sayal, I would imagine, did yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, sorry, song-wise, I like, lyrically, it's, it's pretty good. I like the repetition of the word of if, if this happens. And um, I like the yeah, yeah, yeahs. I think it's quite yeah. sort of, almost like sarcastic kind of feel to it. Um, and, yeah, and it's, again, really simple chords. I like the fact it used to be called the CD song, because it just played in the chord of C, and it goes up two frets to the D. Um, I think it, that's what it was originally kind of, Started off, but so and it's quite kind of Americana. It's got the kind of um, slide guitar with it. Um, yeah, and, uh, I think it's a. It plays a lot on the Americana as well. The Americana. Well, they played a lot on that. Stuff. I think they had a song called "Country Feedback" and "Automatic for the Pe- uh, in the, that previous album. All of that was sort of slide guitar, mandolins. That whole, those yeah. two albums were um, were basically those instruments, weren't they? Peter Buck's guitar and his mandolin basically was was showcased in those uh, REM albums, but. Um, Great, great song, really good song, um, and yeah, like I said, good film as well. Is this a really good song? I, I'm not the biggest fan of REM. Um, uh, I find Michael Stipe a little bit whiny at times, um, but I, I love this song. I've got to say, I really do. Um, I think it's a brilliant song. It's a brilliant movie. I think um, I love the. Uh, Andy, are you goofing on Elvis? Yeah, hey, baby. Um, all of those sort of, like you say, the, the kind of references mm. to, to kind of what's going on, and they do. He does kind of talk about things that Andy Kaufman had done, like the Elvis impersonations, the kind of um, you know various other comedy things, and it, and then it does, like you say, Andy, did you hear about this one? Yeah, tell me, are you locked in a punch? Re- referring to the wrestling. Um, Andy, are you goofing on Elvis? Are you having fun? If you believe they put a man on the moon, I just think all of that. It's a, it is. A, yeah, I think this is a. It's a massively underrated film. It's a massively yeah. and well, it's probably not massively underrated. So people still love it, but I think. Yeah. Go on, Jim. Nuts and bolts of it. Is it? Better? Nuts and bolts. One is yes. It is. I'm going to say. I'm going to go with yes. Uh, I'd well. like to say no, but I can't. It's a really good song. Oh, Jim, there you go. That was good. Um, that was good. That three was two some, to Benny King. Good that's stuff, that's pretty good. So I thought it was a classic. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a five nil whitewash. But um, mm. 
We did some good ones. Should I tell you my other? Um, yeah, go on. My other three that I had. Yeah, I had three more, which were um, I didn't choose. Like, like I said, the, the obvious ones. No Bond films. I put Hard Day's Life in there because I know the Beatles and the, the films they had were quite um, mm. quite obvious, but um, I, I prefer that over Help. Um, and Hard Day's Night, you mean? Hard Day's Did I say Life? Yeah. I saw a Hard Day's Night. <laughs> <laughs> and a hard I, don't even, I do know the film. I do know the song. I do know which tackle. By the band called the Bottles. Um, and uh, yeah, Hard Days Night and Walk the Line. Obviously, Johnny Cash. That was. Oh good. yeah, yeah. Good the time. one I was really hoping might come up, and I'm not, you're not a fan of Baby Driver, the Edgar Wright film, are you? Um, um, do you know what I like? The first five minutes, and then I think he does a terrible. Um, yeah, I've yeah. heard people, kept people say that. I quite like the film, but yeah, that song, uh, the Simon Garfunkel uh, track, Baby and Driver, which is brilliant. But, um, they're, so they're my other three of the six. What, who, were you, what was on your list? You could have had um, well, the ones on the list. I had uh, Pretty Woman by the Big O mm-hmm. from Pretty Woman. Yeah, uh, Nine to Five. Yeah, Dolly Parton. Um, <clears throat> then I had a few kind of out there ones. I had uh, We Don't Need Another Hero from okay. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome by Tina Turner. Yeah. But in the lyrics somewhere, she said, we're just, we don't need another hero. We're just searching for a way home beyond the Thunderdome. Okay. So kind of a bit out there. Um, and then this one, this one I put in there for you, so I was a little bit disappointed it didn't come up. Uh, it's from one of your favourite films. Um, <clears throat> it's got one of your favourite actresses, Liza Minnelli, but it's also got one of your favourite actor-comedians in it, Dudley Moore. It's the moon in New York City from Arthur. <laughs> Great. Because one of the lyrics in it, he says, uh, Arthur, he knows it's something. <laughs> I think I have a car. I can't believe it. I think I have a car. <laughs> Arthur, you have a drink problem. <laughs> oh, no, I get drunk all over. That's no problem. No problem. Um, we had a few suggestions on the socials. We had a La Bamba was mentioned, but we uh, we mentioned that a couple of uh, a few episodes ago. Boogie mm. Nights, quite a good one. Paul, friend of the show, Lagadec, yeah. musical consultant. Uh, he's from the show chief advisor <laughs> assistant to the chief advisor he said uh, a view to a view to a kill Bond film Bond film Greece yeah see that I think that's the best song on the Greece soundtrack yeah, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons yeah is. maybe maybe Jailhouse Rock you, Rock, yeah. uh, he mentioned he did he said help the uh, Beatles and Convoy see don't see W McCoy oh Oh, I mean that's you got a great big, big ten four with a rubber duck and he got a bear in the air. You got a copy on me, love machine. There's some good songs there tonight. I thought some really yeah, good songs good. there tonight. We're hitting some big hitters, aren't we? That's quite. Well, we are. Nice. We're getting. I think you have to when you've got some really good classic songs. That's the whole purpose of the podcast, isn't it? I guess. Which I mean, I don't think we're going to get over Percy Sledge for a long time. I really I'm don't. I'm really so. sorry, Jim. I mean, I, you know. We had Footloose and Man on the Moon. We've we've got that at least. I might have to put a Twitter poll out. <laughs> you know when you did make one of those Twitter yeah, do polls. It, do, it, says, do it, do it, go on. Which who do better? you think's best? Which one's better? Benny King yeah. or right, Percy okay. Sledge? I tell you what, if you do that, if we do that and it turns out that Percy Sledge is it's, it's a landslide or you know, it's a majority, then yeah. I'll, I'll I'll amend this as a little addendum afterwards. Okay, and I'm if it does, let me record it, but I'll make a little addendum. Yeah, and if it, if it does, if it does, uh, we'll do a whole podcast on Percy Sledge when a man loves a woman. We'll do one of these like kind of musical biogs. Not a problem. Not a problem. I can I can do that. 
All right, guys, let's go. Good, good, good one, there, Jim. Nice one. And uh, yeah, we'll, we will all see you very, very soon. Life Better Podcast.